This is not your mother's middle age. No longer is waking up each day, living the wash, rinse, and repeat cycle acceptable. We have the life lessons, the relationships, the wins, and the losses with which to navigate to our highest self without hesitation and without fear leading the way. We have been there and done that, and so we have so much to offer the world and each other. So join me on this journey speaking to ordinary women doing extraordinary things for new insights, new ideas, new medical breakthroughs, and new life lessons. You will be inspired to find your best life here and now. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire, and this is your Second Wind Podcast. Hello, welcome to Second Wind again, if this is your first time. Welcome. If you've been listening, I've got another treat for you. So I'm going to introduce this fabulous woman a little differently. And I want you to kind of go through the scenario with me. So what do you do when you love art, but you are repeatedly told by adults and teachers that you have no talent? Well, if you're my guest, Leslie McGurk, you start to prove them all wrong by creating whimsical t-shirts and then selling them out of the back of your car. Then you become a famous designer in Japan. Then you become the author and illustrator of over 20 children's books. Then you continue on to write a book about the power of mercury. Then you give TED Talks. And then you start working with doctors and psychotherapists to help them figure out what's wrong with people. So you do all this, how, you might ask. Well, the answers might surprise you. Two things, basically. The belief in being wrong and following astrology. Welcome today, Leslie. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah, this is exciting. And we have a lot. And we found out we had a lot in common. So that's pretty, pretty neat. Again, all these connectivities within people and your story is, is really unique. And what you're doing now in your second wind is even bigger, better, but let's, let's start with your second wind. What, what was that moment? I never wanted to be an astrologer. This was something that I knew how to do. I knew how to read charts simply because at age 19, my mother had sent me to an astrologer in New York City because she was worried about me. I had taken my first year at Bowdoin College and didn't really like it. And she said, why don't you come home and take a guest year at Sarah Lawrence College, live at home, go see this astrologer and figure out your life. And I said, I don't want to do any of these things. And <laughs> she uh, sent me to this astrologer who blew me away. She knew who I was. She knew I was incredibly creative. She basically redirected my entire life. She said, thank God you're going to Sarah Lawrence. They will develop your creativity there. I studied with writers like Alan Gerganis. And this was during the time when Yale Doctrow was there and Joseph Campbell had just stopped teaching there. But it was this place of wonder and, and of teaching people how to actually think. So it actually was a really good fit for me. And the astrology helped redirect me into the art world um, because I had been told, as you just said in the intro, that I had no talent and never really took any art classes. So because of this knowledge of astrology, um, when, let's see, when was it? Uh, 2008, I think, 
the publishing world um, started to die down. And I thought, wow, uh, this is not going to be the easiest way to make a living as a children's book author and illustrator. And even though I had published 20 books, it was getting more and more difficult to um, live the way I wanted to live. And I thought, wow, the only other thing I know how to do, I've always been self-employed since I was 25, never have had a really normal job in my life. And I thought, well, I can read astrology charts. So let's try doing that. And never really wanted to, because I think it's a very intense profession to be Mm. sitting with a total stranger and tell them things that you see in the chart. Because a lot of times what you see, it's not always easy. And because I'm a writer and because I write and illustrate children's books, I figured out a really simple and friendly and easy way to tell people what is. And there's nothing really negative about anybody or anything. It's like weather. Is a hurricane bad? Well, it's bad for a lot of people, but it also brings good things too. And same thing with rain or any kind of forest fires. So our charts and our lives are a lot like that. We get burnt up sometimes by life. And then we have to reinvent ourselves. And that's what I've always had several, I think I'm on my fourth or fifth wind. I think the second wind was a while ago. I I constantly am reinventing myself and I get used to the thought that that's just normal for me. And I am positive that 10 years from now, I will be maybe talking to you and I will be doing something that has absolutely nothing to do with anything I ever could have imagined. If you had told me 10 years ago, I would be astrology, doing astrology with Western trained doctors, like the head of integrative medicine at um, a big hospital in New York City and in Boston and working with many, many psychotherapists, I would have said, there's no way, how could that happen? Or the other surprising thing about my life is here, I had no training in art, became a well-known designer in Japan, and then did these children's books. If you had told me then that I would be also teaching in the corporate world, I would have said to you, Wendy, what am I going to teach? I I write and illustrate (laughs) children's books. But I invented this class on how to have creative thoughts, which I started teaching at a spa in Mexico called Rancho La Puerta. And people in the corporate world saw it. And then they plucked me out of obscurity. And all of a sudden, I'm teaching at you know, Wachovia Bank or the Jim Henson Company, or I taught at um, AARP, just incredible. Like I could never have imagined any of the things that have happened to me from start to finish. Well, and that's so interesting because um, it keeps coming up lately with all these, these um, conversations I'm having is nobody could ever imagine where they have come to. And the idea is, well, you you, you, you can't possibly imagine what's coming your way. You're only allowed to see what's right in front of you because, and then to just keep going forward with that. But another thing you said, which was really interesting too, that I wanted to bring it back is you, you found your way by other people finding you, which is exactly what happened with the t-shirts. Yes, uh, I would say that if I was, and I always suggest people do this, by the way, make a list of the best things that have ever happened to you and notice how many of things on those lists were things that you went after and found. 90% of the time, there are things that come to you. So it's the art of being receptive. So in my case, I'm 
completely and utterly in the category of the best things that have happened to me just came. They found me. I did not go looking for them. For example, being discovered as a t-shirt designer selling t-shirts out of the back of my car in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. How did the biggest department store in Japan find me? It's because a girlfriend of mine told me to write to Glamour magazine. She said, they're doing this environmental series and you might be able to get featured because your um, t-shirts are all about environmental things. And so I took her suggestion, never thought anything would come of it. Right. But then Glamour magazine did a story about me and somebody from Takashimaya was on an airplane going from New York to Tokyo and they had the magazine with them and they read this article. And then as soon as they got to Tokyo, they called me up and said, we want to make you famous in Japan. And I was like, Great. Gosh. Sure. Okay. <laughs> what a what a thing to hear on the phone, you know, just amazing. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, I guess things you have to be receptive to things that are coming to you. Yes. Yeah, so, so it's the art of allowing. And women tend to have a little bit more of a problem with this than men because we are doers, we make things, we fix things, we become very, in a way, more male, but women are naturally supposed to be receptive. So one of the things that someone taught me, they said, when you go to the grocery store and somebody offers to help you take your cart out, just say yes, get used to allowing people to help you. And it's interesting Mm -hmm. because a lot of people, especially women were like, no, no, I'm fine. I can do it. I'll do it on my own. But we need to allow people to help us because that's how magic happens. It's from connecting it's from being open and it's from allowing things to surprise you. Every single thing that I talked about or you talked about in that introduction, almost all of it was a big surprise. Yeah, well, let's dive back because the story in and of itself is really cool. So let's start. You were born in and lived in Brooklyn, New York? No, Bronxville. Oh, Bronxville. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think okay. it is Bronxville in my notes. There it is. Um, Bronxville, New York. And tell us about a little bit about um, Leslie growing up and how you got to where you are now. Oh, my gosh, that's (laughs) that's an interesting. We've already talked about it, but let's let's just find out who you are. Who is Leslie? So I grew up um, outside of New York City. My dad worked for the telephone company and I was constantly living in an imaginary world. And that's when I saw that astrologer when I was 19. She realized that that's who I really was. And I believe whatever you were as a five, six, seven-year-old, that's your true essential self. So whatever you were doing around that age, as an adult, you want to make sure that you have some of those ingredients in your adult life, because that's your purest essence of of what you are. And, And when you're that age, you have unbelievable dreams. Like I wanted to be a veterinarian. But I, I never was going to have that happen because I'm not that great at math and science. But what do I do? I, I draw animals and I have pets and animals are huge in my life, as is anything to do with nature. So when I was younger, um, my family uh, used to take us for summer and winter vacations in New Hampshire, where I am right now. And I just fell in love with being in the forest, and in the woods, because when you grow up outside of a big city, it's not the same. So that connection to nature, that, uh, that feeling a part of the earth and the sky and the trees, it all developed to the sense of who I've become as an adult, that that whole connection is 
really important for, I think, everyone's mental health. In, in Japan, they call it forest bathing. And mm. I think that more people need to do that. It can instantly um, bring you into a more centered place just from walking in the woods. Yes. Yes. They say that going for walks, it's a very stoic thing. Going for walks is, is really helpful to clear your mind and keep you grounded and allow and allow things. It's a lot like swimming in the ocean. The, the salt in the ocean is almost the same amount of salt that we have in our fluids in our body. And when you go into the ocean, you get neutralized. We, we are electromagnetic bodies. So being in the salt water just keeps us kind of neutral. And the same is true for being in the woods, in the forest. It, it changes your electromagnetic system. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, realize. most people don't think about this, but... no. We, we need to be grounded. That's a hundred percent sure. And a lot of people don't know how to do that. And they develop a lot of health issues because their bodies are just spinning, spinning all the time. This, especially if we're on computers or the telephone all the time, that this electronic world does not help our electromagnetic bodies. That is darn sure. Oh, wow. Yeah. So true. So true. So you go to this astrologer. She tells you, you need to tap into your creative side. Yeah. Right. So yes. then you, you decide to do these t-shirts. What made you decide to do these t-shirts? When I was living in Bronxville, New York, I um, decided um, to just do some little drawings on the side. I didn't really show them to anybody, but one night my parents had this cocktail party and this couple came over and they saw me scribbling in the corner because I never would show anybody my artwork because everyone always told me I didn't have any talent. So this couple, for some reason, they were curious about what I was doing over in the corner. And they saw these little drawings I was doing of rabbits and pigs. And they had just started a T-shirt, uh, not a T-shirt, a refrigerator magnet company. And they asked me if um, I would do some artwork for their little magnet company. They were the first people to invent a refrigerator magnet. So oh what my happened? Gosh. Oh, I know this is crazy. Again, I wasn't looking for it. They it was just this weird random moment. Well, yeah. I started to be very successful as an illustrator of refrigerator magnets. And when I uh, got out of college, I really wanted to be a writer. I still didn't think I was very good at art, even though I had made some money off these little drawings on the magnets. So I wanted to write and illustrate children's books, but that was not easy to uh, find a publisher. So what I did is I took all the animals from my children's books and just screen printed them on T-shirts. So the T-shirts came about because I couldn't find a publisher. Oh, so interesting. So interesting. Okay. So you become this famous person in Japan. And then what happens? So that was pretty wild. I was literally not making a lot of money off my t-shirts. The article came, I was doing okay, but not great, trust me. And the article comes out in Glamour and my phone didn't stop ringing. The Japanese discovered me. All of a sudden I'm being flown first class to Tokyo. And they had an 11 year plan to make me famous as an artist and as an environmentalist for the first couple of years. So I was featured in a lot of major magazines and newspapers. and then. 
what happened is they said, we're going to start now that people know who you are, we've made you famous. Now we're going to start putting all your designs on products. So they made 1,500 products in Japan with all my designs on them, everything from aprons and washcloths to slippers to duvet covers to stationery to boxes and, and whatever you can imagine, my designs were on them, including I did the designs for the redecoration of the Tokyo Disneyland Hotel. So all of the wallpaper, bedspreads, carpeting. Oh my gosh. You would go into any uh, department store in Japan and there would be a big sign that said the world of Leslie McCork. So I, I wasn't, sh- this was shocking. Meanwhile, I still couldn't get my children's books published, which is really what I wanted to do. And eventually, uh, after I went to Italy to a children's book festival, in Italy, I met three Japanese publishers who were fighting over my book. So finally, my books were published in Japanese, and then eventually in England, and then the last place was the United States. But I sold over two two million books around the world, but um, it's not really, it sounds more financially successful that it is because a lot of those books I was making five cents royalty on them so that is why when the Japanese contract ended which had nothing to do with me it had to do with the Japanese economy um, and then when the children's book world started to die like we don't have the kind of of bookstores that we used to have it's just now if you don't get a chance to wander in a bookstore and discover a children's book the only way you're going to find them is if you read about it or you buy them online. Mm, so it's a totally point. different way of distribution and marketing. And so now I was left with my back up against the wall thinking, my gosh, I've never had a normal job. I was selling t-shirts out of the back of my car and then become <laughs> famous in Japan. Now that's over. I've got these books selling, but what am I going to do now? And that's when the second win, do you want to call it, was when I decided to try doing astrology readings for a living. And very, very nervous about it in the beginning um, because I, I, I just um, didn't want to, I just wanted to help people. And I wasn't that confident because I didn't have that much experience actually working with humans. I, I had a lot of experience looking at astrology, but it's a very different thing. The art of interpretation is a completely different thing. And that's so, the whole thing of it, right? whether you're going to be good at it or not, it's, it's gotta be because you're able to take that information and make it easily understood and communicated. That is exactly what, right. So my background as a creativity instructor in the corporate world, and as a children's book author and illustrator, as someone who sees patterns and design, I look at every human being as a piece of art and, Mm. or a piece of music. I want people to understand there's nothing bad about jazz it's just different than classical and rap is not worse than country. We are all designed a particular way. And because of my unusual background and because I'm used to entertaining children, that's you have to be an entertaining person to be a successful children's book author or a great teacher. You have to be able to engage your audience. So what I do is I figure out a way using mostly metaphor, not astrological language, because who cares about that? It just goes in one ear and out the other. Right. I figured out a way to make it user-friendly. And so now my obsession, Wendy, is teaching people how to read charts. So at least they can learn it the way that I do it so that it becomes an everyday tool 
So you can understand your husband, your wife, your boss, your employees. You can figure out why your children are the way they are, how best to guide them. This is invaluable information. Oh, so it's kind of like a roadmap, would you say? Because it changes every day. So you think people should be looking at the astrology thing? Well, every your day? your natal chart, the the chart that I'm looking at is the map of what was above your head at the moment you took your first breath. So think of it as a snapshot of a piece of music. And at that moment, you're getting that, just like on the in music, there's a staff. Mm-hmm. And the, the notes plop into that system, right? Okay. Yeah. The astrology wheel is exactly the same. The, instead of a staff, we have a circle, a wheel with 12 sections. They're called houses. And the planets and the constellations plop into that system. It's identical to music. Music is also interpreted, just like astrology. Music is invisible. Astrology is invisible. It's something you can read on a piece of paper. But music comes alive. It's something that is felt. And astrology is something mm. you have to play. You have to play the astrology for people to hear it. I, I'm like sitting down with an orchestra pit uh, playing. The, I'm just the conductor. I can't predict the future. I can only describe the way someone is created. But I can predict that if you are classical music and you live with a family of rappers, you're going to have a tough childhood. That is really cool how you said that, how you just got this orchestra and then you and you put it all together. That is really neat. So how did you get from um, the astrology for just working with people? You you didn't really you were very nervous about it at first. How right. did you get to now where you're working with doctors and psych, psychotherapists? Like, how does, how yeah, does how that, did that happen? happen? Right. So basically in the beginning, um, I just would do it for my friends. And then I uh, developed a following because of my accuracy. And so I started to get more and more confident. But in the beginning, I would pace around my house before I would see a client thinking, oh, my God, like I, I think this is what happened to them when they were a kid. But what if I'm wrong? And I'm going to tell this total stranger something about them. And um, it turns out that mm. I was... I was continually correct about things. So what happened is that I started to really help people and then they would tell their doctors or their therapist, or I, it just started growing. People would um, spread the word. And a lot of times I would do readings for people who were actually in the medical profession, but they didn't tell me that. Like, I don't want to know anything about someone when I do their chart. Like Wendy, you could be a doctor, if you were my, if you just gave me your first and last name, I wouldn't know what, you, I don't know what anyone does when I do their reading. So the doctors started calling me like in my last uh, webinar that I taught, I had five medical doctors in the class, a bunch of neurologists, because neurologists are starting to study astrology, because there's a correlation between the brain and how it works because there's neuroplasticity and there's also something called astral plasticity. You're given a certain amount of wiring in your brain and they've done studies to um, understand that you can break the patterns in your brain and reconfigure yourself. Same is true with astrology. You're given a pattern, but we can break that pattern and adjust it so that you're vibrating at a higher level. Oh, wow. Okay. Even though, even though the planets are where the planets are and 
the retrograde is where they you can still rearrange it so that you can. Okay. So that's, a diff, that's different. So you're, so pretend you're a car. When you buy a car, you have an owner's manual. Yeah. Okay. That's your natal chart. It's your owner's manual that never changes. As long as you're driving, you're in your body, you're in, this is your vehicle, your body, that owner's manual never changes. But we have weather, which is what you're talking about, like with Mercury retrograde, or if someone says you're in your Saturn return or whatever, Mm -hmm. that's weather. That's the planets. Here you are in your little car with your little owner's manual, but you also have weather going on up here in the sky. And that's different. That changes every day, the weather. So some astrologers are really, really good at uh, forecasting trends. Uh, I'm very good at that, but I prefer doing more of the psychological health things with people. Um, I actually predicted the virus before it happened. I knew. Oh, we didn't talk about that. Yes. So I saw in the weather forecast coming in early 2020 that Oh, wait, there the weather, a, you're saying the weather through the astrology. Through the astrology. Okay. Yeah, that's what metaphor for it's, yeah. it's um, astral weather, you know, it's planetary weather. Okay. And we as humans, if we think for one second that we are not connected to what's above our head, we're fooling ourselves. And I think that there needs to become a whole new awareness of our position, not just on this earth, but within the whole system. And um, so I'm looking at that system that's above our head and where things are. And I saw in early 2020, this very intense, very difficult, life-changing event that was coming down the pike. And so I was on Coast to Coast Radio and George Norrie was interviewing me and he said, well, what is it, Leslie? And I said, well, it's hard to say exactly, but I will tell you this, um, life as we know it will be over. I said, I don't know that those were my exact words. And I said, didn't you, weren't you scared to say that on, on this? Like, I might not have said it exactly in that way, but I know I said it, I know I said it to my students in those exact words. And I might've said something like that, but I didn't, maybe didn't want to scare anybody, but I knew it was major. And he said, well, what is it? And I said, the only thing I know for sure is that it has something to do with the element of air. So I said, I don't think it's a tsunami. I don't think it's a war. And I don't think it's a fire. I'm trying to think of what would change life as we know it. I said, it, it's something to do with air. So I, and guess what? It's a virus that is in the air. It's Airborne. invisible, just like air is. And what does it attack? Mostly the lungs. the lungs. That's why everyone's on a ventilator. This virus, if it wow. had, if it had attacked eyeballs and people were going blind from the virus, Everyone would be getting a vaccination. Oh, yeah. The problem, not not the problem, but we are lucky that this virus was not like polio and everyone's in a wheelchair for life, you know, who's got it. What's very strange about the virus is that it it is sort of, you you don't see people out on the street with it. When they die, they tend to die really quickly and, and then they're gone. It's not like it's, unless you're one of the long haulers, which is another whole topic, but Anyway, yeah, that was that was really uh, something. So I think as uh, humans on this earth, that virus continues to be a wake up call for us, because Mm -hmm. if we don't take better care of each other and of the planet, this is just going to be the beginning of many things like this. Oh, I agree. 
I a hundred percent agree with you. The, and what I've noticed is the hurry up and get it today. I want it now has had to change people. You can't, you can't expect because you went on Amazon prime, you're going to get your package tomorrow. You're, you might not get your package tomorrow now because of the pandemic. You can't go into a restaurant and think you're going to get service right away anymore. You know, we've had to like accept that things are going to take longer. You can't just go order a piece of furniture and expect it or buy something off the floor and expect it to be there. No, everything, everything's totally different. And yeah, wearing masks, it's quite possible we will be wearing them for the rest of our lives. I think it's probably quite likely that mm. that will now be just part of our normal attire. And um, I think we're going to probably have other pandemics. This is not the first one. Really? Have you had them in the past too? Oh yeah. Have you seen, have you seen anything in, in the, the weather? Coming up, um, to tell you the truth, I haven't looked. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, Wendy, it's true. I don't really want to look. I'm yeah, right. That I haven't. I, I will. I will be looking because I'm on a couple of um, interviews that they want me to specifically talk, they want about, to talk that. about. So that. towards the we'll end of the year, we'll yeah, save it for them. Then, yes, yeah, that's it, fine. Yeah, I, I'm gonna look. I here's my th- thing about astrology. I don't let it rule my life. I do the best that I can every day. So people who are constantly looking at their astrology for the week or for the month, some people need that. I, I, it makes me crazy. It's like, I don't need mm. to know all that. I just, all I need to know is that I'm doing the best I can every day. Mm-hmm. But I do need to know, like if I'm traveling or if I'm going to sign a big contract or mostly I look at um, people's charts with mine. If I'm going to do a business partnership with somebody I want to make sure that I don't have karma with them because I'm not a big fan of karma. (laughs) Wow. Okay. I might want to get back to that. But so how does that relate into working with people's medical issues? That, that seems to be where you have, have funneled off. So, so why, why, why did you think you could do that? In the chart, pretend you're a car again. I can tell if you are out of balance. So in astrological language, there are four elements, fire, earth, air, and water. Most Mm -hmm. people are walking around with all four of them, okay? But if you happen to be a person like myself in my chart, I was born with zero air. So in my chart, in my piece of music, it's like, they completely left out the horns, you know, the, the whole section of the orchestra is oh, gone. Wow. It's okay. gone. And I don't, I, I don't have it. And I can't. I, so what I have to do is, is go hire that group of people or that element. I have to put air into my life with intention. Like right behind me is a bird right there. So anything with birds, anything with flight, anything with oh. lightness is good because otherwise I tend to, I have had sinus surgery twice in my life. So air, sinus, nose, throat, all of that is, is air. And that's part of the weaker part of my body. So when I just today, I talked to the woman who is a new client of mine. She had had horrible headaches for five years. And to the point where they gave her all these drugs, they were Mm. injecting her with Botox, but 
five years of chronic pain, MRIs, neurologists, blah, blah, blah. She comes to me for a reading. She didn't want to come because she'd been to other astrologers and they didn't help her at all. But her mother, she had heard me on a radio show and said, no, I think you need to call Leslie. So I look at this woman's chart and I saw what the problem was. I knew exactly why she had the headaches and I told her what she needed to do. And I just talked with her today. She said, um, after she followed my protocol, they have completely gone away. And I promised her when I did her reading, I said, I said, you, I will, I was like begging her. I said, please do what I'm telling you. This is going to, this is why, first of all, you have to figure out why does she have the headaches? Where is this coming from? Is it a physical imbalance or is it from trauma? And then you have to figure out how to, how to recalibrate her piece of machinery. So she then went back to the neurologist and told all of them that the headaches were totally gone. And they told, she told them about me and what I told her to do. Not one of them wanted to hear about it. Oh, that's just so sad. It's really sad. There are a lot of people out there suffering that don't need to suffer. I believe that our bodies have an incredible ability to regenerate. And even things like cancer, I'll tell you another really interesting story. I have another client who um, she's young. She's only like 39 and she developed breast cancer Mm -hmm. and she um, had very different, her weather was very, very difficult for her body. And I could see that this, this health issue was meant to happen in some ways because the timing was perfect for her to develop this. So we started digging a little more and it turns out that um, her mother's sister died of breast cancer like two days before this woman was born. And her aunt's breast cancer was connected to her birth because her mother was deeply grieving the loss of her sister. And it was around, I think the the aunt was about the same age that this woman was when she got it. So believe it or not, Wendy, all of that trauma, if it doesn't get resolved, it's, it repeats generation after generation. We are, are very much connected to our ancestors. We're, we're following patterns. So what I do is I'm a pattern breaker. I said to this woman, I said, listen, we gotta, we gotta go honor that aunt that, that died of breast cancer because no one ever talks about her. It's like, she's just gone and that's not healthy and good. And so once that was healed, when she went back to the doctors, um, the cancer was gone and she's fine. How do you explain oh that? How do you explain that? Well, right? how do you ex- well, how do you explain this first? Like, you don't know this woman, right? You don't know what's going on in her house and what I, they're talking I, about. What they're I, no, I don't know. You. So how do you know they're like, you knew they weren't talking about it. You knew that she had. The yes, honor were, this yes, 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 exactly. And I have another story I can tell you. Um, yeah, see, I don't know stories. I, I don't know the specifics of, of some of the situations. Like, for example, every Tuesday night, I have a mystery guest and I allow people to come and watch. So if any of your listeners want to do that, it's it's um, very inexpensive to sit and just watch what I do. It's, but the person who's my client is hidden. You don't see their face. You don't know their name. A total stranger. I don't know anything about them. My assistant sets it all up. So it's on a Zoom thing with all my students watching. And so we're ta- I'm talking to this woman and I see this really bad trauma in her childhood. And for 45 minutes, she said, no, nothing. I had a really nice childhood. Nothing really bad happened. And I said, well, that's not what the chart's telling me. 
And Wendy, the chart never lies. My clients, they will push things away and pretend it never happened. And finally, she made a connection. And Mm. this is what happened to her. She was um, friends with a little girl in the neighborhood who had a sister who was a couple of years older. They were like 11 and 12, something like that. And one day, this older sister, she used to play with all the time. um, She wrapped herself up in a carpet and put gasoline on it and set herself on fire. So she killed herself at age like 12. Yeah. And guess oh what? Same thing as with the, the client friends who had the breast cancer. They never talked about it after the aunt died. I mean, it was like so traumatic. They just stopped talking about it. Same thing for this woman. It was as if that little kid never existed. Her family never talked about it. That family never talked about it. This is the kind of stuff that just, it settles inside the body. It's still there. How can that not be there? Now, a regular, this is why a therapist, they can't see these things. And it takes a long time, if ever, to find this stuff out. Whereas I can figure it out in an hour. And I do it all, I do it every day. Every time I'm with somebody, I'm like, finding things that need to be brought to the surface to be healed because otherwise we loop and we stay stuck in the same pattern. Oh my gosh. That's, oh my gosh. So she probably thought that was okay. This happened. It's a trauma. I just don't want to think about it again. It was horrific. And And also it it, it didn't happen in her house. Right. It wasn't in her mind. That's not my childhood. That was her childhood. Right. But wow. it was, but it was uh, horrific because she knew that what happened and how you don't let a child not process that, that's, that, that needs to be talked about. You need to, to help the child understand and, and grieve. And, and you just, these, these souls that have these difficult lives or do these difficult things, um, we have to honor them and, and understand that everyone comes in with big challenges usually. Yeah. Yeah. So when you work with doctors, they're just giving you what? They just give you the date of birth of the person that they are curious about how they can help. Um, or they, have they come to, have they, have they been like, okay, hands up. I don't know how to help this person. I'm going to Leslie. Oh, that's happened. Yeah. One in particular, a woman who's one of my biggest fans, she was extremely ill for six years and top doctors in New York city. She got passed around to all of them. And the doctor that I work with at NYU, he said, Leslie, I can't help her. I don't know what her problem is. You take a look. And I knew, I'm not going to tell you what she had, because I don't want to get into it. It's too complicated, but I knew what the problem was. And it was again, connected to trauma, but it was take, it was had a physical component to the trauma. And until we healed the root cause of that trauma, um, this, this woman was not going to get better. Now she's completely fine. Just like the woman with the headaches, she's completely fine. If she hadn't met me, she'd still be getting injections in her skull every week. Oh my gosh. So now you can see why I'm obsessed with talking to doctors because I want, because I'm not a medical doctor and I'm not, I'm not, I'm just suggesting ways to look at a problem so that the person can heal. I'm not really diagnosing diseases or anything. I'm looking at the root. I'm finding the root causes 
of imbalances, which is very different than diagnosing a disease. You're kind of like finding what's going on at the stem of the flower, the roots and the stem that's causing the flower maybe not to to bloom. Right. And uh, so what doctors are doing, they're looking at the petals and seeing this Mm -hmm. black or there's an insect here. And I'm like, yeah, I get all that, but that we need to go down deeper and see what's in the root. What caused this flower to develop that fungus? What allowed that to happen? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's what I'm good at. I'm good at figuring that out. So how it works with um, one of the doctors, what he does, I said, listen, for you to understand how I work, you're going to have to know that I don't Google people and you're going to have to send me your patients without a name. I don't want to know their first name, their last name, their email address, their phone number, nothing. Their name is patient number one, get their birth data. I'll just call them patient number one. I don't even know their name. I don't even know if they're male or female. And oh, then- really? Yeah, I don't, I don't want to know anything. And then they um, call a free conference line number, the patient does, and I give them the reading and then send the recording to the doctor. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, so the I've doctors done, that are working with you are open-minded yes, and are, yes. are seeing the results. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's incredible. So, no, it's crazy. And this is I mean, obviously, it, it's more than just astrology that I'm doing. I'm, I obviously have psychic abilities too. Yeah, or you're something. very intuitive. Some there's something else going on here because I think astrology is just my language. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it's crazy. And again, if you had told me ten years ago I'd be working with doctors doing this, I would be like, there is no way. I write and illustrate children's books. There's no way I'm yeah. doing this. But all those all those things you've done have led you to this. Yes. And they're, they are part of why I'm good at what I do because I, I approach things at a very, um, very grounded, very elemental way, very, very simple, very basic. We as humans, sometimes we get a little too complicated with how we are treating things. And what bothers me about most Western medicine is that they're treating the symptoms and they're not figuring out, well, why does that person have cancer? Right. Why why does this person have a headache? I figure out why they've got the cancer and why they've got the headache. Once you find that out and you heal that out of the, of the system, then the person has a chance to get rid of the cancer and get rid of the headaches. There's, there's always a reason for things. It's just, it's just the way it is. Yeah. So the intuitive part, um, that you you realized you were intuitive pretty early on, didn't you? I I knew it and it scared me. And again, I wanted to run away from that. It's not something that's a very easy thing to have, especially if you're a child or mm-hmm. even as a young adult. Um, I when I was in my 20s, I went to a bookstore a metaphysical bookstore and they were doing this workshop on remote viewing. Do you know what that is? Mm -mm. No. It's when you sit in a room with somebody and you, the the person you're sitting across from has a human that they know that has a problem somewhere else. And you try to pick up on what that problem is with that person. And I, I was in my, I was like 23 years old and I was just, I went to this workshop sort of for fun. I didn't even know what it was about. 
but I was so accurate that the owner of the bookstore wanted me to come and do readings there. I said, no, I am not. I ran so fast out of there and I never went back. You're kidding. No, it scared me. The person that you're sitting with isn't the person with the problem. Right. They're thinking about somebody they know with the problem and you were still able to know what it was. Yes. Because you were able to pick up on the energy and use your intuition. So then here's another crazy story. Again, this is nothing I went looking for, but I have, as I told you, a bunch of animals and I was out of my vet in Florida and um, the woman asked me what, what I did. And I told her, I said, I'm an astrological, basically healer. She said, well, do you ever work with animals? And I said, well, um, sort of, what, what, what do you have in mind? She said, well, I have a cat here who has a problem and I'm very, very worried about the cat. And, um, I don't feel like all the doctors in this practice know what's going on. And I just was wondering if you had a psychic hit or feeling about what to do with this cat. So Wendy, I'd never done this before with a professional medical person and, a, and an animal in trouble. So I said, look, I'll give it a try. I said, go leave the room and just tell me the cat's name. I don't need to see the cat. So I sat there. You didn't even need hugged. to see the cat? No, I didn't. Or see touch the cat. the cat? No, nothing, nothing. Okay. So, so this is what the cat told me. <laughs> the cat, and I, here I am. I have a very active imagination. I thought it was my imagination. Turns out it wasn't. This is what the cat told me. The cat said, I'm bumping into things. Um, I can't tell where I'm going. The cat told me that the problem was between here and here and that the problem was behind her eyeballs. And if they didn't do something fast within 24 hours, it was not going to be good. And she said she didn't like the food here and she wanted to go home. <laughs> so the, so the, vet, the vet comes back and I'm like, oh my God, this woman either... She, she's going to think, gonna think you're a loony bin. Yes. Well, guess, <laughs> guess what? Yes. Overnight, the cat had gone blind. The cat was bumping into things. It had gone blind. The, the thing that the cat told me was that it was something right behind the eyeballs. Well, all of the vets in the practice wanted to do surgery on the cat's eyeballs to see if they could get the sight back. But because of what the cat told me, the vet knew that the problem, if it was right behind the eyeballs, it had something to do with pressure. And she said, if what you're telling me is correct, then if the cat's telling you that I'd have to do it within 24 hours, there's a particular drug that it can reduce the, the pressure. The pressure. Behind the eye. And, and so she went against all of the medical professionals in her building uh-huh. and decided to go with me because I actually knew what was the matter with the cat. Think about all the things that could be the matter with a cat, a paw, oh a stomach, gosh. a tail, a butt, a, a, you know. So she gave the cat the medicine and 24 hours later, the cat's eyesight was back and the cat went home. So and that, how that you, but how did you have the confidence? Because I've you know had, I, mean? I know, well, it's, it's it, I get to the point now where I've had so much confirmation that it yeah. would actually, um, it would be unfair for me not to share it. So I, I, I have too much, too many, I mean, I'm not, I'm not often wrong. So I have this weird gift that the, the gift goes beyond astrology. Oh, it's sure. not weird. It's not well, weird. It's on, well, it's not weird, but it's 
it's different. <laughs> like, again, yeah, I did, but I did not God's, go looking for this. It's a gift that we need. Like you were put here to do that. I, I think so. And I, I've now accepted that. Um, but I've been fighting it for most of my adult life. I, I didn't like people to here comes my cat. Speaking of cats. Um, I, <laughs> I really, um, it's a people treat you differently when they know you have this ability. I will just say that. And I don't oh, like, okay. Okay. I don't like that. Yeah. They're not real. Would you say they're they fake kind of, well, they, when you have this ability, people, tr- they will, they treat you differently. That's all I can say. Like, you, yeah. you know, they all, how can you help me? Like, mm. or I've, it's like being the know. doctor at the cocktail party. Hey, doc, or the lawyer. Yeah. Hey, I got yeah. a question for you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. That makes sense. Why don't you, since we're talking about animals, the thing, the, the other fascinating thing I found out about you is what you do with horses. Yes. Yeah, so Please um, share. I work with wild horses out in Utah. And again, Never went looking for this. I was obsessed with horses when I was a kid in New York, but of course, outside of New York City, how many horses are there? Not many. But when I was in my 20s, I developed a horrible allergy to horses, so have not been around them for like over 30 years. So I went out to Utah to teach at Red Mountain Spa. And when I was there, I was hiking with this woman who said, Leslie, I'm going to go meet these Mustangs, these wild horses. You want to come with me? I said, I can't, I'm teaching, I'm leaving tomorrow and I'm allergic to horses. So she went without me. Again, here I am fighting something that's meant for me. And she she was put there to ask you to do that. Well, you have no idea. Yeah, well, it gets even more intense. She goes and comes back and finds me in the dining room crying and saying, Leslie, you have to go with me right now. I know you're leaving tomorrow, but you've got to go with me to these horses. I said, Oh my God, you barely know me. Why do you want, what is it with you with these horses? I don't get it. So she said, please, I'm begging you. I'm going to call the two women who own these horses and you're going to go with me and we're going to go right now. And I was like, wow, she was so insistent that I went. And these women never allowed just one person in to be with their 30 wild horses. These horses have never been um, corrupted by humans. They are an intact wild herd. And it's an incredibly mind-blowing experience. And what happened to me, I'm not going to get into what happened to me right now about that day that I went, but my life was forever changed. It was as if I had met my psychic equals out there. Let me put it that way. These horses, if you think I have abilities, these horses have massive gifts for, for people. And they, they can read energy like you couldn't believe. And I uh, came back home and um, called these women about a week later and said, look, I want to help you. I said, I, I want to bring people who need healing to meet these horses. Cause I think what you've got here is very special and very rare. And so I've been doing it uh, with the nomadic school of wonder. My friend Barb Broth, who owns the nomadic school of wonder, I curate the wild horse experience, but we do um, other trips with um, the nomadic school of wonder around the world, whether it's day of the dead in New Mexico or the Northern lights in Iceland and spinner dolphins in Hawaii. So the horses are just one of the trips that we organize and um, yeah, it's unbelievable. That's amazing. So what do you do? You stand on the side of where these horses are? Oh, no, no. You're in, you're in there with them. Oh, 
but you, you cannot, there's no food involved. There's no sugar cubes and carrots. There's no, you know, reins and bridles. They're just, they're there. And how do you get a wild horse to pay attention to you? You have to be useful and interesting. How do you become useful and interesting to a wild horse? Whatever you learn from the wild horse is going to teach you about how to be useful and interesting in a marriage, in a business, in a school. It is, it is the deepest, most profound kind of knowledge that you can get. And it's all nonverbal. Oh my gosh. It's hard to explain. You have to experience it. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yes. I'm looking forward to it. I want to do that so badly. Now you want to, when we talked, you want to scale this and, and teach more, correct? You yeah, want to so be able I want to, to do, spread it. Uh, yeah. I don't want to do um, as many one-on-one readings because they're quite draining for me. And you can imagine some of the situations that I'm dealing with with people. It can be very heavy duty. And I would rather teach astrology and get more people out there doing it the way that I do it. So mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. my passion. So if anyone listening wants to learn how to read a chart, I can, I figured out a way to get people in eight hours of my classes to the same level as, that I was as an astrologer after 20 years of study. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Yeah, no, no, it's unbelievable. I, I have figured out a way to describe astrology so that you actually can digest it. If you try to study astrology on your own, it is really, really difficult as it was for me. And I figured out that astrology is like learning how to play the piano or guitar. You cannot learn from a book. You have to play it. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine trying to learn how to play the piano from a book? No, it's not going to work. You can't. (laughs) You can't, it's like, it's, but astrology is so much the same as music. And astrology is also a lot like acupuncture because 50 years ago, people thought acupuncturists were crazy, but now Mm -hmm. it's part of the health system. Astrology, I'm praying one day will be like acupuncture. You will go to a medical astrologer and get help just like you can with an acupuncturist. So you go to 20 different acupuncturists, you're going to get a different style of treatment from every one of them. But you're dealing with the electromagnetic body. And who who would imagine that you put a little needle in your toe and it helps your neck? Well, is that any more unusual than astrology? They're both very unusual, but these are called esoteric sciences as opposed to hard sciences. It's actually these esoteric sciences, which are much, much older than the hard sciences. That's right. Astrology has been around for, you know, thousands of years. BC before, you know, Jesus was around. So this is an ancient science and there's a lot of wisdom to it or it wouldn't have stuck around. How do you, Leslie, how do you stay? Well, how first do you decompress after you go through a reading or help someone? And that's my first question. My second question is what keeps you going and keeps you energetic and vibrant and just all that you are? How, how does that happen? Um, well, I, I get a, a humongous amount of pleasure out of knowing I've changed people's lives. That is totally energizing. Like this woman who I talked to today who had the headaches, um, the fact that five years of chronic pain and it's gone. I mean, how can you not get energized by hearing a story like that? Right. So 
I have very, very many um, success stories and happy clients. So that, that helps. But after a reading, I have to get outside. I have to do something athletic, go swimming, um, go for a walk. I just have to get it, get it off of me. Well, like release it. Yes. Ah, okay. So what's next for you? What's, what's happening? Cause, and we didn't even talk about that one book and I really think we should. If rocks could sing, oh that yes, everyone, really cool. yeah, that, that's a children's picture book I did. It's the only one that's photographed, and yeah. I found every letter of the alphabet in rock formation. So it's all about um, the art of seeing what is invisible to others. Because I'd be walking down a beach, and I would see all these rocks. So. B is for bird. There's a big B and then there's a rock that looks like a bird or E is for, there's a letter E in rock formation. And I found an elephant rock too. So like I said, it took me 10 years. It's a really cool book for both 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. Nothing like uh, an overnight um, book, right? That one was a big, big, long decade to do. So it's a super cool book. A lot of people think I Photoshopped them. I did not. They are, it's a miracle book, really. It's a, you talk about a book that excites people. It does because every page you're like, oh my God, I can't believe she found that. Right, right. There was one letter you said that took you a really long time to find. K. What was it? K, that's right, the K. How weird that I have like five Qs, but I could only find one K. And I wouldn't have an alphabet book without the K. So again, the same thing, same life lesson that we started off talking about don't, you can't go looking for things, let things come to you. How was I going to get the ocean to produce a rock in the shape of a K? Was I going to go scream and yell at the ocean? Was I going to go out there and try to make it myself, forcing it? No, it's the art of allowing. I had to just know that one day I'd be on the beach and it would finally show up. It took a long time, 10 years, but it showed up. Finally, You had the faith. You had the faith. Well, I figured if I could find a Z and a Q and a, you know, W, then come on, it's got to, it's just a matter of timing. It's going to show up, but it's frustrating because when there's something in our life, our life that we really want, and it's not happening, we tend to either want to give up or push. And sometimes Mm -hmm. the thing to do is nothing. Stillness. Yeah. Being stillness. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's next for you? I'm going back to the horses the end of October and November. I'm going back to teach at Rancho La Puerta in Mexico. If anyone's ever interested in joining me there, that's a great time to hang out with me for a week. And um, they can email me and there are discounts that I can get them for the magical place that it is. And um, I don't know what's after that in the new year. I'm not quite sure. There are tons of things percolating in the background. And if Uh any of them develop into something bigger, that would be exciting. I'll let you know. But at the moment, I don't have any news to report. Well, and you're just going to be open to whatever comes. Oh, because whatever comes, it will be something I never thought of. Correct. (laughs) Trust me, I have learned at this stage of my life, like get out of, I have to get out of my own way. So my motto is stop thinking and let things happen. I love that. That's, I was going to ask you what your motto is. That's perfect. That's perfect. That's, and when you teach, it. when you teach in Mexico, are you teaching people how to understand astrology and how to apply it to their lives? Is that what you're teaching? 
Uh, when I do the week-long intensives at yeah. the ranch, yes, that's a special group that I bring in. If anyone's interested in that, then definitely contact me. That's I, I that's by invitation only. But okay. um, if anyone really wants to learn astrology, that's the best thing to do is spend an entire week with me learning astrology. But um, otherwise, when I'm there, I'm not um, doing just astrology. I do my creativity workshop and I also do astrology, just an overview on astrology, introduce people to the possibilities of what it could be. So good. Probably going to have to do that too. Yeah. Yes. That sounds good. Yeah. Add that to your list, Wendy. I got it. I've got a huge list now from you. That's good. <laughs> it's all good. So how do people get in touch with you and find you and do these things? They just can email me at Leslie at LeslieMcGuirk.com and it's M-C-G-U-I-R-K.com or just go to my website and go to the contact button or yeah. contact my assistant, Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y at LeslieMcGuirk.com. But you can find us on the website and um, any questions or things you want to know about. The only bad news for people is that I'm booked into March right now. So if anyone's interested in a reading, there's a bit of a wait. But if they want to be a mystery guest, they could probably get in sooner. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. I should probably do that too. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I'm going to have this. Seeing a lot of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we're going to have all of this information on the show notes. And Leska, thank you so much for your time. Your that's story awesome is going to, to evolve. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I found, well, I was given this gift of a, of a person to speak with through Tina Hedges, who owns um, and is the CEO of Lolly Beauty. And she said, oh, I have this fabulous friend of mine. You need to talk with her. She has such a story. And you were so willing and you were so kind to, to say, sure, I'll do it. I'll meet with you. And I really appreciate your time and your candor and all of the cool things you shared with us. You had many, many things that make people, I think will make people think about medical and their bodies and, and what we need to be really focused on, not the pill to fix the headache, but to fix the headache. Right. Yeah. If I can change one person's life, I'm happy. So just, I just feel like I'm, I call myself an instrument now. I'm just doing whatever I'm guided to do and things work out better for me that way. So that's where I am. It's all good. It is all good. Thank you so much, Thanks. Leslie. Such a and treat un- to talk to you. Yes. And until next time, breathe in yes. okay. your second wind. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, go ahead and breathe in your second wind.